Yo, 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 welcome to another episode of the Round Ball Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Listen, y'all, we're recording this on a nice Saturday morning. I almost had my cereal out. No Saturday cartoons, but I had all the fun I needed last night as the Lakers went and just walloped the Grizzlies uh, in a game six performance of the ages. Dylan Brooks won at 40, and he got a 40-point L. So happy about that. We're going to talk about that. In fact, real quick, if you didn't read the title, there's going to be a second-round playoff preview. And my esteemed guest, as always, is one Ron Guterman. You can find him on Twitter at RonGuterman24, R-O-N-G-U-T-T-E-R-M-A-N. The guy does work for the Lakers. You watch Lakers Nation. You're a Lakers fan. You've seen him before. If you're into the Dodgers, he does stuff for the Dodgers as well. We're both sports business classroom alums. Good friend, Ron. How you doing, man? Um, you know, I'm doing great after a, after a game six blowout by the Lakers. You know, I was really, I was nervous. I was nervous that the Grizzlies were going to be able to force a game seven and potentially take the series. And the Lakers made sure my nerves went away very, very quickly. So I'm thankful to them for that. And now I can uh, peacefully enjoy some second round basketball before they start their second round series in a, in a few days. Exactly. I'm very much excited for that. I really didn't want a game seven. It would be nice for basketball on Sunday, for sure. Or, yeah, Sunday, but it also would have been horrible from an angst perspective, you know, being a fan of basketball at large, but also a Lakers fan, having a soft spot for, obviously. And then also knowing game sevens, anything could happen. And it's like, I'd already said, you know, Lakers in six when we did our last prediction show, and I really yeah. wanted to back that up and look like a, a basketball savant here a little bit, uh, at least <laughs> in my own mind. So I'm glad that they came, took care of business. And before we even look and preview this future rounds let's talk about the lakers kind of recap this first round slightly we're not gonna do a heavy recap on every show just y'all watch the games but also actually let's not even do a recap i think we saw kind of what we saw within the lakers matchup against the grizzlies you know ad really stepping it up late the bench for the lakers being consistent pretty much every game in the series with the exception of a couple of you know losses um and then of course the grizzlies just being injured but what were your observations on uh, just as Lakers rather decisive four two victory. Yeah, I mean, I for the first time uh, this season, obviously since the trade deadline too, is the first time I really thought, okay, maybe they can, maybe they can be in that championship contender conversation. Um, I I think uh, Darvin Ham showed me that he is capable of taking advantage of you know of mismatches. Um, I was worried going in that he wasn't going to push the right buttons in terms of. You have a size advantage down low. You have, you know, uh, you, you have the ability to guard, you know, their their three guard lineups uh, with John Morant, Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, or Dylan Brooks, or whoever. Um, you, but you got to be able to push the right buttons at the right times. And for the most part, this series, he was able to do that. I thought he out out coached Taylor Jenkins, which I didn't think was going to happen when the series started. Um, so I like, I'm definitely high on the Lakers. Looking forward, obviously their second round opponent is yet to be determined as we record this. Uh, but I think either way, whether it's Warriors or Kings, um, I think I would predict a Lakers victory. But I need to see the vibes once once one of those teams wins their game seven. Exactly, I agree with you there. And and and, and in lieu of a preview for that series, since we don't really have a team to preview, I'm asking you this: What team would you prefer the Lakers to match up with? Because for me. I don't know. If the Kings come, I think it's going to be a lot more offensive focused. I mean, the Kings have obviously played some decent defense. Mike Brown has junked it up, you know, knows how to get Steph Curry out of his position. Um, Good luck with LeBron James on that, you know, to a certain extent, even though just from a physical perspective. Um, 
Also, the Lakers shooters have been a lot better. I mean, we saw Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell have key moments and key sparks, you know, in this series and uh, obviously game six. And um, I just I think it's going to be a fun back and forth from the offensive. And I think AD can definitely give himself a presence down there um, against the Mondas Sabonis, but that'll also be a fun matchup. Who's guarding De'Aaron Fox? Is it going to be Jared Vanderbilt? Like all of the different cross matches, the three-point shooting for Sacramento, the old rivalry between the Lakers and the Kings from 20 years ago brought back up like the basketball story to me, you know, the fun basketball guy in me, like that would be great. And I have some great Kings fans. I'm sure you do too. That would be awesome to talk to and, 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 and really have some discourse around. So I'm pumped for that for the Warriors. It's the Warriors, LeBron and Steph Curry, number five at this point. Yeah. Four finals. And then this right here, I don't know if you count the playing game, but like, boom, Exactly. Like a series. Hopefully it's LeBron v. Steph 6, just for fun. There yeah. you go. Why not? Okay. Exactly. And you have all the, the characters who've made this NBA drama for the last half decade so good. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, LeBron James, to a much lesser extent. Well, actually, just that. That's AD is not really a part of this. But, like, you have this core group of guys. Steve Kerr, if you want to throw him in there. And I also think that it would be a fun matchup because – the Warriors and Lakers have had some really entertaining games this last couple of years. LeBron dropping 56 on them last year, you know, um, with some tight games where the Lakers beat the Warriors down the stretch this year in their playoff push that they made. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Um, I guess from like a winning perspective, I it depends on game seven, but I feel like I would trust the Lakers more with the Kings. Um, only because I feel if it gets to an offensive focus game more so, the Lakers have more defensive bite, in my opinion, uh, especially post-trade deadline. And I also think the matchup of AD and LeBron, again, is going to run it. They have less equipped defenders, in my mind, for both of those players than we had in this Grizzly series, even while those players were injured or while the Grizzlies were battling injury. That's my initial take. Yeah, I, I think I think the Lakers my, – my gut instinct is also the Kings. Um, I think mm-hmm. the DeMontis-Sabonis matchup, like AD is such a good defender – that DeMontis Sabonis is not going to be able to get to his spots uh, as easily um, as he normally does. And then on the defensive end, I think right now where the Warriors-Kings matchup is so interesting, we talked about it before, was it's strength on strength and weakness on weakness. Um, It's DeMontis Sabonis offense on Draymond Green defense and then the reverse, which is the the weakness. But with the Lakers, I think there's a significant advantage because it's strength on strength on one end with DeMontis Sabonis on offense and Anthony Davis on defense. But then Anthony Davis on offense against DeMontis Sabonis on defense is a bit of a mess for the Kings. And I don't believe, you know, the 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 reaction for most teams is, well, let's just double Anthony Davis. And my question to the Kings is, who are you doubling Anthony Davis with that isn't ruining you on the offensive end of the floor, right? Because you could bring in like a, you know, you could bring in one of your other bigs, which is like Alex Len or... You know, Alex Len has kind of been their go-to, their go-to true center in this in in the Warriors series. But if you have Len and Sabonis out there, I think AD and LeBron can swallow that hole defensively and offensively because they don't have the, the foot speed to keep up with that duo. So I, I like the 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 matchup down low in the front court uh, in a Lakers King series. Where I worry in the Lakers King series is the speed of their backcourt: De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk. Davion Mitchell, I feel like that's too much for the Lakers guards to handle. Um, that speed is ridiculous. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is a fine defender, but he's not a quick, a quick-footed defender. 
Um, Austin Reeves is a good defender, but again, I don't want him chasing around a guy like De'Aaron Fox or a guy like Malik Monk for 30 minutes. Um, so it really puts a lot of pressure on Dennis Schroeder and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, but the same is true in a Warriors series. And in a Warriors series, you also have to deal with Draymond Green, who's one of the best defenders of this generation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, while I – while the, the argument I would make in favor of the Lakers-Warriors matchup is that the Warriors, outside of Steph Curry, don't have the same foot speed that the Kings do. Um, like, I don't think the Warriors would be able to run the Lakers off the floor and tire them out. While, while I think the Kings could do that, um, the X's and O's of it all really leans me towards the Kings. So I would say I'm rooting for the Kings. And they're at home, which... You know the road warriors. Uh, they won. A, they won their game five at the, on the road, but before that, whoo, is ugly all year. Exactly. No, I want the Kings too. I think just from. A, I mean, I, I I like the Warriors as like a fun nostalgia kind of the narrative and you know some of the storylines. The Kings have just as entertaining storylines as well. But you broke down from a technical perspective, from Exynos perspective, personnel. You know the, the differences there. Also, just on a slight like let the Kings have some more fun. Let's make it a second round run. Like let's let's do that. Now once they get there, oh you know I'm, I'm let's go Lakers. But like at the same time, like this is great for the NBA. Great for Kings fans. You know, why not? And they've been a fun team, and I don't want to see it go. Malik Monk against his old team. Can I Can I get some Malik Monk and we dust off Lonnie Walker? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I will say, I was listening to, like, a, a neutral podcast that was discussing the NBA, mm-hmm. and they were saying it would be awesome if the Kings won. The celebration if the Kings won this series would be insane. And then, like, five minutes into the second round, everyone would say, ah, I kind of wish the Warriors were here. <laughs> like, yeah. This would be more fun if the Warriors were here. But the celebration between Game 7 and Game 1 would be unreal if the Kings won. It really would. And also, it really, it really, really would. Light the beam, light all the beams, everyone on Twitter, the podcast, like, discourse, which actually wouldn't last blessedly that long because it'd be, like, a legit two days. Yeah, day because half from game, ex- uh, I believe Game 1 is on Tuesday. Tuesday. Exactly. And yeah, so th- there's not a lot of time. Not a lot of time to do a lot, which is great for me because if you're a Lakers fan, you get today as a recording to rest. You get tomorrow to sit. They said, Dennis Schroeder said, they're probably going to get together, watch the game, right? Monday, travel, and you stay in LA or, or stay in California regardless. Yeah. Which is amazing. You know, that's that's ideal for a team that's a little more veterans, you know, at the top. And then also, you get those four days of rest for Anthony Davis to work on that hip, for LeBron James to be off his feet and work on that foot. You know, for other guys who are nursing injuries, it is playoff time to be able to take some of that time and, and kind of get back a little bit. Um. Yeah, I'm hyped for it regardless. It's going to be a fun series. I'm very excited the Lakers made the second round, you know, showing what we all thought, which is one healthy LeBron AD are a problem. And also, like, as much flack as getting Rob Palenka, and rightfully so, in my opinion, like, what he did, the trade deadline, was masterful. And I, I said it, I'm sure you said it, I think we did a pod around that time. Like, I feel like we did. Either that we talked about it. But, like, what was done post-trade deadline was, was a masterclass in terms of acquiring just the right fits in a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt has been a complete game changer. Um, We saw what D'Angelo Russell in that game six, we saw what he could do. Like, when he gets going, he's, he is, he is the guard, like the, the ball handling guard that the Lakers have been desperately seeking next to LeBron James. Mm -hmm. And they thought Dennis Schroeder could be it, but turns out he's really more of like a slashing defender type than a Mm -hmm. real true ball handling guard. Uh, we saw what happened with Russell Westbrook. That didn't go well. Mm-mm. Like 
D'Angelo Russell, when he's going, when he's on his game, he is exactly what the Lakers have been searching for there. Obviously, Jared Vanderbilt, we know the impact. And Malik Beasley, I hope at some point he gets it going. Um, right now, he's kind of, you know, in game six, he was cut from the rotation, uh, which is kind of what everyone was believing would eventually happen. Um, I do hope at some point he can get it going because if he's hitting his threes, he absolutely, you know, has earned minutes because he can shoot the lights out of the ball. Exactly. No, absolutely. It's it's been great just seeing them play. And like you said, D'Angelo Russell has that star factor in a player that's a role player. It's like the perfect balance of a guy who like he's a starter for sure, but he can everyone every four games or whatever five I don't know he'll put together a superstar performance without having the cachet of like okay we can't take him off the floor if he's playing bad you know like Darvin Ham has that or you know that sort of balance there and he seems yeah. comfortable in his second stint in LA like that's been great to see the swag that he brings to the court you know the same you know only matched by Russ at his best moments but we didn't see a lot of those unfortunately like it's great so yeah I'm excited for it we're looking forward to it but we already spent almost a 10 minutes or so on Lakers, which I mean, you know, it's great. We still got other six talking about this was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. Exactly. So let's go kind of go into the second round. We had, um, we've known there was been some very interesting uh, first round matchups. We saw two teams that we definitely didn't see going down uh, on the East for sure going down. Uh, and that was obviously the, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers um, as the Heat and the Knicks beat those two teams respectively and will now face each other in the second round. So I'm going to throw it to you. That tips off this weekend. Um, is that today? That's I think point. it's Sunday. Sunday. There we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sunday at, at uh, wow, 10 a.m. Pacific. Lovely. Lovely. I love it. For Wake up to hoops. Got to love it. So oh, yeah. we're, we're going to have that. Um, so let's talk about that because we have um, the New York Knicks who obviously just – brought their hard hat and just punked the Cavs basically in terms of the rebounding edge, playing more physically and, and, and really just setting the tone um, and, and coming away with a four, one victory, which I did not have in my, in my prediction, I had Cavs in six. And I think I might've been Cavs in five. I look back on my, on my, look back on my prediction, but looking back here now, we're looking forward rather. Uh, yeah. The Knicks played great. Jalen Brunson was amazing. Julius Randle put in a game effort. Unfortunately, he's uncertain you know, to be ready for the series opener because of that um, sprained ankle, like injury that was um, not reoccurred, but like re-aggravated or did it again or sprained it again um, in their closeout game. So what do you have in terms of observations on these two squads? And well, let's get your predictions. Let's just cut to the chase on it. I mean, Jimmy versus Tibbs obviously is the main storyline. Yes. But man, these are two teams that just – that they just work. They they work so hard and they make you fight for everything. I think we're going to see some low scores. I think we're going to see some I think we're going to see some ugly basketball uh throughout the course of this seven game series. Um you know like I look at Cavs Knicks. I look back at that series and I think the Cavs are the better basketball team by by almost every measure. Um but they got outworked. They just got out hustled. They got outplayed like they they did not show up the way that I thought they would. I thought I had Cavs in seven. Um, so I thought it would be close, but the Knicks, it just was never close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they are going to make teams work. And the Heat, I mean, what can you say other than playoff Jimmy is here? Uh, because, honestly, I look at that Buck series and the team didn't play well. Like, they they didn't play well. Now, obviously, the Bucks played worse and played horribly, like, not up to their standard, even close. 
Um, to answer the question that was posed to Giannis, yes, their season was a failure. Um, yeah, if you, not the answer, but yeah. If, if you're the odds-on favorite to win the championship and you lose to an eight seed in the first round, you failed. Like, that season was a failure. Like, it was not accomplished. And that's okay to say out loud, but I just yeah. think I think it's okay to say out loud. But I agree. The Heat are really not that good of a team overall. They didn't really play that well in that series, but Jimmy Butler just could lift this group in a way that is just it was unreal to see. Um I want I want to be like it's playoff Jimmy time, Heat and Four, but like I don't think that's gonna happen. I think the Knicks um I think the Knicks don't have a Jimmy Butler, obviously, but they have a whole culture of making the other team work super hard for every bucket. And I think the Heat already have to work so hard to score in the half court um, that if Jimmy is not, again, like a 40-point-per-game average kind of guy for this series, which he might very well be, but until that happens, I don't see the Heat winning this series. Um, I have Knicks in... I'm struggling. I think I'm going to say Nixon five. I think I'm going to say Nixon five. I think the heat run is nice. I think the heat run is awesome that they did this and they beat the bucks and they stunned everyone. Um, but I think the Knicks do better what the heat try to do every game. And so it's no longer like, it's not a clash of styles. It's the same style. And I think the Knicks do it a little bit better. I would agree. I think that you described it perfectly. It's it's both going to be a rock fight. I just think the Knicks have a bigger one um, to bring to the table here. It looks like it's going to be fun to have like a return of a, of a 90s type of series, like you said, especially since the Knicks and Heat were one of the signature games. I actually tried to watch one a couple of days ago. It was a perfect bedtime um, movie uh, because <laughs> it just wasn't a whole lot going down there. But, you know, it's it's a lot of, you know, I think the series is going to be very much the same. Nail-biting finishes and tough offensive performances, really grinding every possession out, you know, just points just being pulled and, and, and twisted and convert. Like it's going to be rough. Um, but I, I don't think, I don't think the, the Knicks are going to, I don't think they're going to lose the series. That's a better way to say it. I mean, they have the 19th best defense season. They're a top five bench squad. Miami's offense, although it turned all the way up against Milwaukee, was ranked 25th. Their bench was already bad going into the series, and they've only gotten worse with an injury to Victor Oladipo, you know? And now you have a very thin backcourt especially. You know, it's Gabe Vincent, and um, Kyle Lowry, and whatever you can get from him, you know, consistently. And then your shooting guard spot, just as thin, although, like, Caleb Martin and others really played well, you know? So it's going to be interesting. Um, The Cavs had a really good offense, though, and the top defense, and New York manhandled them. And so that's where, you know, some of the stats don't, necessarily add up there and that's what the playoffs are beautiful but at the same time um i just think that the knicks have a way of just being able to bother jimmy butler in a better way than the bucks were um you know drew holiday did his best and i'm not saying that the knicks players defensively are as good as jimmy as as drew holiday they're not but you have more of those guys like it was literally just drew holiday that could guard jimmy and jimmy was already in such a rhythm and was getting his and it's already a very talented score where the knicks i could see a lot of josh hart and i like that josh hart matchup i could see some quentin grimes on him i like that too rj barrett you could throw different bodies at him of I, similar I, was actually, size. I, was, I was gonna ask who's your primary jimmy defender is it hart is it barrett is it grimes is it randall you know it's who's, funny i think yeah it's it? gonna be it's gonna be hard for me um randall especially with his wheels being a little squeaky right now I don't want I don't want him on Jimmy. Jimmy is very adept at his fakes 
and, you know, step throughs and different things to not only get you up off your feet and then get the and one foul. And Randall already as a big, I wouldn't necessarily like that matchup because Jimmy is more fleeter of foot, even if you could say, okay, stay back and let Jimmy shoot the jumper, of which he did and actually knocked down a decent clip, you know, against Milwaukee, but so did the rest of the Heat. But at the same time, I just don't want to have an island situation where Randall has to yeah. recover or anything like that. So I would put Josh Hart. I think he gets after it. I think he's going to be tenacious. I think strength-wise, he's a very stout defender. I like it. Then I would probably throw Quinn Grimes as well, another guy who can get after him. Um, I'd throw R.J. Barrett there as too. I hopefully want to save R.J. Barrett to bring some more offense because the Knicks are going to need every bit of that, I think. Yeah. But that's what I like to do and just have the same type of rotating bodies. And for the for the rest of it, you just hope the Heat kind of – I mean, you don't hope the Heat go to it, but I think that they will just kind of regress to the mean in terms of, in terms of um, their scoring. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that – as far as Bam Adebayo, like, he kind of up and down. In my mind, he averaged, what, 18 points and eight rebounds against the Heat during the regular season, but I think he struggled against the Bucks, and I get it, yeah. bigger front line. But also, one of the games they struggled against, they didn't have Mitchell Robinson. And Mitchell Robinson, you know, didn't light the world on fire against the Cavs, but, like, he, or you know, light, light the world on fire against the Heat, rather. But against the Cavs, very dominant. You know what I he mean? Can I mean he can Exactly. Yeah, and I, I what, what do you think? What do you think happens first in this series? A team hits 120 points for a game, or a team hits below 80 <laughs> in a That's game? That's a good question. What happens? I'm gonna first? say, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say below 80. I could see a game where halftime is 36, 38. Yeah, I could see a final score where it's like Knicks win 88, 76, or something like that. Like I yes. could see that game in this series. In fact, I need to see it now. Yeah, now I'm like, I'm begging for it. But it like, it would be funny to me if there was a game, like, I don't know if I could see a game between these two teams where it's like, Knicks 124, Heat 121. I'm like, Mm -hmm. that that doesn't track for either of these. It doesn't add for either. Yeah, exactly. Both teams offense explosions like that. Like, no, it's like somebody turned the sliders all the way up in an unrealistic way. Because that's not even how those teams win their games when they do win regularly. Yeah, no, I, I mean... So, so on Miami, you know, Bam Adebayo. I, I like Bam Adebayo as a player. Obviously, he was a bit, he was a bit of a roller coaster in that first round series against the Bucks. Um, him and Mitchell Robinson is a fascinating matchup. Yes, it is. I really like. I can't wait to watch. And I, I, I love a good like, I love a good center matchup. I always think it's fascinating. But like the way I look at these matchups, like if I'm just looking starting lineup on starting lineup, um, you know, Robinson on on Adebayo is, is so interesting. You throw Randall on Kevin Love just to preserve him, do whatever. And then I, I'm looking here like I think Barrett probably got a start on Butler at some point, right? At some point it's going to have to happen, yeah. And then if we're putting Hart in the I, – Hart, Hart is a regular starter for them at this point, right? I'm trying to remember if I he's, would, Yeah, I feel like he is. Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like he is. is. Yeah. He's just so you probably have him – you have him and R.J. Barrett switching off between Jimmy Butler and Max Struess. And then you have Jalen Brunson and Gabe Vincent, which is – the way Gabe Vincent played in that series is kind of interesting all of a sudden, mm-hmm. although I think Jalen Brunson has the advantage. Me too. Yeah. I, I think I think the Knicks are the better team, but this will still be a pretty fun throwback series. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. So let, let's kind of nail predictions here. I have Knicks in six. I have Knicks in five. Mix in five. I like it. I like it. Okay, it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, I, I'm not usually looking forward to grinded out, not very fun offensive to unit like matchup. So this will be fun to witness for sure. Um, but let's go to our next matchup here. We're going to do 
the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Boston Celtics, the 3-2 matchup. Uh, another injury that's going to be important in this, Joel Embiid may not be ready to play uh, due to a sprained knee. And so that's going to be something that will stand out. Um, but looking at Boston, you know, not really having a ton of problems uh, battling the Hawks, as none of us thought that they would. Um, look at Philadelphia, had no problems, like, dispatching Brooklyn, which we also kind of figured would be the case. So now you have the 76ers and the Celtics. You have a guy in Joel Embiid trying to get out of the second round. He faces a uphill battle, for sure, against the Boston Celtics team. Um, that is still rolling. Uh, and also, you still have James Harden dealing with Achilles injury, where every other game he looks very immortal. Uh, Joel Embiid now hampered. Um, but also, I mean... Joel Embiid against the Celtics this year has been different than years past. He's been eating. You know, he had a 50-something point. He had a 50-plus performance. He had a 42-point performance. Like, he's been getting his way, and I think a lot of it is instead of operating in the post like he used to, he's operating from that elbow area. You know, able to see double teams, able to hit his mid-range J, you know, power pass defenders, quickness, like that sort of thing. Um, and it's been helpful for him. So I ask you, um, what are your thoughts looking at the Celtics and 76ers? I mean – this is a different 76ers team than years past. I want to like put that out there first. I don't think this is the same 76ers that they've been the last few years with Joel Embiid. I think they're better. I also think the Celtics are better. Like they are, I think they're the best remaining team in the NBA. Maybe them or the Nuggets. We'll get to that. But um, like, I think this is potentially the best remaining team in the league. Now that the Bucks are gone. Um, and I see this as a Celtics series win. I'm trying to decide if it's in six or seven. I think I'm going to go seven. Um, but get back to me on that. Just because um, I, I think I think the Celtics are just the better basketball team. And I think uh, the 76ers have too many question marks in terms of their health, in terms of their fatigue. And I know it's kind of like lazy to use the Joel Embiid gets tired in the second round narrative. Um, but it's happened pretty much every year up to this point. James Harden is also the type of guy that kind of has, you know, seen a fatigue. He's dealing with injury. I feel like the 76ers are dealing with a little too much injury-wise and fatigue-wise at the top end of their roster, whereas I don't see the Celtics having that same problem. So I have the Celtics winning this series. I think they're the better team. I think they're the more healthy team right now. I think they're the more energetic team right now. And, uh, yeah, that's how I say it, have it going. I like it. I I think it's very interesting that you're going that way. I, I have – it's hard for me. I have the – I have this – I have the I have the Celtics. Um, but I have them in, in five. I know. Ooh, and and here's up. the thing. I just think injuries are going to play a factor. I think the 76 team is a better team. I most certainly do. Um I just think, unfortunately, that the Celtics not only are healthier, but, like, they have a lot of different weapons. And the 76ers can, for the most part, counteract that. But you also have to bring the matching offense as well. Um, And for me, it's just like, I don't know. I'm still thinking this through, so I get back at me. I might say Celtics in six, which I probably will end up going with, like, officially. Because I want to give disrespect to, to Philly, and it's not disrespect to Philly. Yeah. I'm looking at it, it's just like you have, you know, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, and those are already problems with the stuff. Now, mind you, I'm saying that because of the depth that they have, they're not because they're the standout guys. Obviously, it's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brunson, and the matchups for both those guys are interesting because where are you hiding Harden in a five matchup there? You know, especially being hampered. You know, if you're going to leave 
Embiid as a roller? Um, are you putting PJ Tucker on one of um, t- uh, one of Jason or Jalen? Are you bringing in McDaniel's? Obviously, he stands to play more minutes. Uh, what about guy like Daniel House? You know, who can bring that length defensively, but also hopefully some shooting. I just think the matchups for Philly uh, on Boston are going to be interesting, and that's what I'm looking at on the long term. Is just how that's going to work, um, and because again, a lot and a lot of their strength is from the wings, but you also can't leave you know, Al Horford open, right? Like, regularly. He's somebody that can make you pay. Um, you got to have Joel Embiid as, like, a roamer to have some help on the defensive end. But at the same time, you know, he's injured. How does that affect his mobility? How does that affect his aggression on the offensive end? There's just a lot there that I am more concerned about in terms of um, how the subject is to match. And so if you have a, a, a ailing um, Embiid, an ailing Harden, Maxi can Maxi just go off? He's had some struggles against Boston. You know, like, is that something he's going to be able to do? Um, potentially, is that going to be enough? I don't know. I really think it gets back to the health. But I'm looking forward to Tyrese Maxey versus Derek White for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to P.J. Tucker on Jason Tatum. I think that'll be fun. P.J. Tucker on, on Mikael Bridges was fun. I think that we're seeing P.J. Tucker's value even more here, and that's important. And then last but not least, of course, Joel Embiid and Al Horford. Like, those are the matchups that I think are going to help kind of decide the series, but a lot of it comes down to health for all of those guys. In the minutes they're able to play, PJ Tucker's not a young man, you know, and Jason Tatum very much is. So, yeah. you know, and they're both going to play 47 minutes a night. Like, there will be some 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 mileage being run in this matchup. So, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, it could change. I don't have the 76ers winning just because Embiid's injured, and I just feel like he's not going to come 100%, and when he's usually injured in these kind of games, especially against a team like Boston, it doesn't bode well. So, that's my per- initial thoughts, but We'll see what's up. Yeah, I think um, I think the Celtics have three really high quality defensive guards to throw at Harden Maxi, and I don't know outside of PJ Tucker what do the Sixers have to throw at both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? Like you got to deal with them both. They're both wing scorers, and the Sixers to me lack sort of that like wing defensive depth, but the Celtics where. Where the, where the Sixers are good outside of Embiid is their backcourt with Harden and Maxi, And the Celtics have depth on depth there. They have three guys that I really, really trust. I mean, I was I was thinking about it the other day. Like, the, the best perimeter defenders in the league, like purely perimeter defenders, not talking versatility like an Anthony Davis or a Jaron Jackson Jr., um, just purely on the perimeter. I would say the Celtics have three of, like, the 10 or 15 best perimeter defenders in the league. And so I feel like Harden and Maxi are really going to have to work, and Harden is already coming in a little bit hobbled. Um, so while I generally like the Sixers better than I've liked the Sixers in years past, and I'm giving them credit by saying it's a six- or seven-game series, um, I don't see them beating the Celtics here. I, I really just think the Celtics have a little bit too much defensively um, that the Sixers don't have on their end. Yeah, I can agree with that 100%. I think that's very much the case. And it comes down to that sometimes, the matchups and also the weapons you have at your disposal to both, uh, uh, you know, score and defend. And Boston has more. There's a reason they were where they were. Philadelphia's nice. It's just the wrong time, I think, for injuries. But hopefully they've had over a week to rest. So just, yeah, I feel like it's been over a week, right? Uh, Yeah, Philly, yeah. yeah. They, haven't played, they haven't played in a minute. Exactly. So, and then that's another thing. Are they going to come out well-rested, ready to go? Are they going to come out a little rusty? Who's going to punch first? Um, James Harden's had struggles from two. He's had some nice fire games from three, but he struggled his finishing. 
like specifically in Boston too. Like that'll be an issue as well. So yeah, at the end of the day, I'm looking at at, at Boston as taking the edge here. Um, I say five just because I think they're too much, and Philly's not 100. If they do get a really strong game out of Embiid coming out the gate, I'm I'm going to change. We'll have to change it before the series starts to be like official in my prediction. Yeah. So I might go Philly in six out of respect to Philly. But let's say this: if Boston was in five, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I, I think I got Boston in in seven. Um, yeah, they Philly had nine days off. Wow. They, their last game was Saturday, April twenty second, and their and game one is Monday, May first. Wow, that is that's wild. ridiculous. That's that ridiculous. is that is crazy. Yep. Well, let's go to our last matchup here in this second round, and that is the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. And this is going to be an interesting one. I wonder for Denver. You know, they twenty twenty one. They got problems with Phoenix. Phoenix is a different team. Their bench is weaker, but they also have Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's average is over 29 points a game against the Nuggets in the two meetings they have this season, both wins that the Suns earned. Although, to be honest, like you could argue the Nuggets really weren't going at 100%. I know Nicole Jokic missed one of those games uh, by design, um, so that we'll see kind of how that works out. But if I'm the Nuggets, like, I'm curious. Like, okay, are they going to break through this time? Like, is Nicole Jokic going to dominate? Jamal Murray, you're back, you're healthy. Like, are you ready to do what you got to do? Um, Michael Porter Jr., can he just go crazy for a game or two? You know what I mean? Um, like, we need it to happen on the bench. I need other guys to step up as well, you know? Um, you want your guys like KCP and Aaron Gore to be able to hit shots. You know, um, you don't have a run a, a tight bench, but you want your bench to be able to produce as well, especially since Phoenix's bench doesn't give you a whole lot in general. So anything you get from Denver will be a boon. On the other hand, Kevin Durant, man, dude's a monster. And he's probably not even the hottest guy he's not coming into the series. That's Devin Booker, who's been just insane. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I look at this one. This is going to be very, very tough. I like Denver's offensive system better than I like Phoenix's because I can actually see one with Denver, um, where Phoenix is very much kind of your turn, my turn, who's loading up on who. Okay, we'll throw it to the next guy. And they're very mid-range shot heavy, and they have all the guys to do all of that. But, like, Torrey Craig was their big offensive breakout guy <laughs> last round. That's just – he averaged 12 points, by the way. He had offensive breakout guy because of the first, like, two games of the series. Went back to his usual norm, finished with, like, 12 points for the series, like, per game, which is still five more than his playoff career average. It's like that's an outlier performance. And the rest of the bench has not been ringing it, right? I do wonder, okay, like, we've seen, yes, Devin Booker go crazy. Kevin Durant be efficient. All of that. And the Clippers are a deep team even without Kawhi and Paul George. But come on, like very close games for most nearly all of it, despite having the superior talent, you know, when you're playing your best players against already the Clippers extend the bench. I just didn't see I what did those wins in inspire the confidence of, OK, here we go. At the same time, the Nuggets historically, in my mind, have struggled against guys just like KD, just like Devin Booker, you know, those elite individual offensive talents that have something behind them. Um, now, the question is, where does this Phoenix team lie? Because we saw elite offensive talents that had little to offer besides him, and that was like the Damian Lillard Blazers, right, where Damian threw up all these massive points, but no one else really brought it, and the Nuggets were able to withstand it. Then we saw, like, the Kobe AD Lakers, where – the Kobe AD Lakers, the LeBron AD Lakers, excuse me, where, you know, LeBron AD, great individual talent, they had just enough help from other guys as well. So the Suns, I feel like, are kind of in between there. What does that mean? So I'm going tentatively Suns and seven. I, you know, uh, one thing you said there that, like, the Suns didn't inspire confidence in the first round, I think that's absolutely true. I did not – I was not inspired by what I saw from the Suns in the first round. 
I was inspired by what I saw from the Nuggets in the first round. I thought they handled Minnesota, like, easily. It didn't even look like they really broke a sweat. And I think the Nuggets, you know, it, it's truly, it's it's completely opposite game plans. Um, on one hand with the Suns, you have these two unbelievable superstars that can score from anywhere, they can do anything with the ball in their hands, but there's not really much around them in terms of scoring the ball. There's not really much there defensively, like throughout the whole roster. There's Torrey Craig, who's pretty solid. DeAndre Ayton is obviously pretty good. Chris Paul can still, in spurts, give you great defense. Um, Same with Kevin Durant. But they're not, as a whole, a great defensive team, especially because they've played, what, a grand total of 13 games together as as a unit. Um, So they don't have much in terms of, of defensive scheme. The Nuggets, on the other hand, they have the most they have arguably the most unselfish superstar in the game today in Nikola Jokic. And what I believe is probably the deepest team outside of maybe the Celtics um, remaining in the playoffs. Uh, They have legitimately eight players that I trust, like on any given night to give you good playoff minutes, uh, which isn't really true of most of the other teams remaining. Um, So I really love the Nuggets here. I, I have Nuggets in... I'll say seven just because I do believe that eventually scoring like KD and Booker will each have a game or two where they just absolutely go off and that's enough to get over the hump. But I think the Nuggets are the better basketball team through and through. And I would love to go Nuggets in five, but honestly, I just can't do that. I can't look, I can't put myself out there like that. So I'm going to go seven. Um, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I, I, I think the Nuggets just have too much depth. I mean, uh, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. is a great top four. But then beyond that top four, you have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You have Bruce Brown. Like You have really, really solid players that do things that Nuggets teams have not had. The Nuggets have not had a Contavious Caldwell-Pope or a Bruce Brown in any of their playoff series up to this point, even when they went to the conference finals in the bubble. They did not have defensive players like those two on the perimeter. They had a Tory Craig. Tor- I'm <laughs> they did. And Tory Craig is solid, but I think mm-hmm. both Bruce Brown and Katavis Caldwell Pope are better players. Yeah. I um, agree. If like if they swapped, if it was Tory Craig in Denver and like Bruce Brown or KCP in Phoenix, we'd be swinging the other way. Yeah. I would yep. I would flip the other way because they have that. But like I look at the Suns and offensively, I trust three guys consistently. I don't even trust Chris Paul consistently at this point in his career. Offensively, he has struggled a lot throughout the season. He didn't look, you know, expert level Chris Paul in the first round either. Like, he was fine. Um, So they have three guys I trust offensively. Now, do I trust them to a superstar level? Absolutely. But I only trust three guys offensively. And defensively, if I, like, you know, I like half of Chris Paul and half of Kevin Durant, if I combined it that way, I could maybe get to three players I trust defensively too. In Denver, I trust like seven or eight dudes to be good good players in this series. And I think the depth is going to win out here. And, you know, uh, it it kind of – it uh, bucks my usual rule of um, when in doubt, pick the team that has the best player in the series. That's what I'm doing, exactly. And and that's what you're doing, and that's totally reasonable because I do that 99% of the time. Um, But in this case, I don't think the gap between Kevin Durant and Nikola Jokic – is enough for me to go that way. So I'm going with the team that I think is just the better overall basketball team, which is Denver. 
You know, I can, I can, I can go with that. I can see that. I think it's gonna be very interesting. Also, uh, not a whole big deal, but Chris Paul will turn 38 during this playoff series. Well, he we looks Chris like Paul, it. Yeah, we saw Chris Paul when he turned 37 against Dallas, and everything grinded to a halt. Will that happen here? He literally turns 38 next week. So, like yeah. this, this next week to the literal day that we're recording this. So just, just throwing out there. We'll see, you know. But I think it's something to think about. He's not, he's not aging like LeBron. I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, no one ages like LeBron ages. No, no LeBron, one does. I had to I say was at, I was at game four for Lakers uh, Lakers Grizzlies when LeBron put up 22 and 20, had the game-tying uh, game tying shot. Oh, what a game you were there for. Oh, for my overtime. gosh, Ron. It was, it was incredible. It was electric. And, I'm like, all that to say, uh, LeBron at 38 is different than Chris Paul at 38. There we and go. that's no disrespect <laughs> to Chris Paul. Chris Paul is no. one of the Greats. one of the – five greatest point guards to ever play the game of basketball hands down but he is not that guy right now and if he is that guy i may review my nuggets and seven pick but i don't believe that he can consistently be that guy over a seven game series at this stage in his career and so because of that i have to go i have to go nuggets that's fair i'm totally with you on it as well so this was interesting. This was a fun kind of quick recap of some of the first round and definitely a preview of the second round. Um, I like some of our picks. I know we'll have this posted up first thing tomorrow. Uh, while y'all listen to this first day of, of, of round two, you'll have this in your feed ready to listen to. And Nuggets game one is, is before this will come out, right? Yes. Tonight. Oh, geez. That's tonight. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about that. We're gonna, you're gonna, re- you're gonna hear our take on it. I'm glad we ended with this last because then you get to see if we look like, you know, savants or, you know, just guys throwing a, a stab at it. And either way, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so, funny. exactly. But I, I forgot game one. I gotta be busy. Oh, great, that's gonna be exciting. Okay, but listen, um, that will do it here for us on Round Ball Ramble. Um, Ron, we gotta do this again for conference finals. Absolutely, we'll, we'll be back. Happen. We'll be back for the conference finals. When in my mind, it's uh it's Lakers Nuggets and uh, and Celtics Knicks would be that be the conference finals if it if it went my way. Okay, Lakers Nuggets Celtics Knicks. I have Lakers Suns Celtics Knicks. So that would be that would be interesting. Either way, it's gonna be fun to break down and, and 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 go into it. Absolutely, man. Ron, as always, thank you so much for hopping on. Definitely appreciate you, man. Yep, um, always. Always, man. You can follow Ron on Twitter. Please do at Ron Guterman twenty four. Um, definitely make sure to check him out there. R O N G U T T E R M A N. The guy knows his NBA. He knows his Lakers. He knows baseball. So if you're into that, check it out as well. Um, for me, I'm gonna stay just basketball. It's hard enough for me to get on that as is. Um, follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Um, definitely appreciate that there. Check out um, this show, obviously Ramble Ramble, and also check out. Uh, my other podcast, Roster Reconstruction, which I have to have Ron on for anyway. Uh, I don't know if I'll talk to you about that, but it's like a front office show. Um, oh, yeah. We'll have, to do that. we'll have to do that for the offseason for sure. Okay, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's just a general one. I, I love the NBA front office show. It's not even that boat. It's more like a draft trade, free agency type discussion. The show yeah. on both like current topics and also obviously looking to draft class and free agency. It's going to be fun. I'm very excited about where they can go. Um, I'm currently doing a front office um a ranking so we are going to have that drop this weekend but with my friend josh earl and gary bouquet um we've been ranking the nba front offices so we have our bottom 10 already posted i'm gonna post our middle tier now and then we're going to do our top 10 next week so it's been a fun little project a way to look at it, how we evaluate the front offices over the last like three years each team and whether we like their trades and free agency and whether you know their front office and how much that goes into the ownership and everything and for example like 
we have the Clippers all over the boat. Because for me, it's like the Clippers, yes, their ownership is great, willing to spend. Yes, you know, their coaching is very solid. Yes, they have a deep team, but your goal is to win a championship. You haven't done that yet. Like, in my mind, that knocks you some because you've had the team to do that. It's just interesting philosophical conversations yeah, yeah. around the front office. So definitely I get you on there, man. Um, for sure. Yes, hope that was easy enough for the rest of y'all to check that out. Uh, it's called Roster Reconstruction. I have a thing with the letter R in my podcast. So definitely make sure to tune into that. Really appreciate y'all. But this is going to be a wrap for this show. For Ron, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty and talk to y'all. Bro. Bye. Bye.